Well, if you have a copy of God's Word, I want to invite you to turn to uh, Galatians chapter 2. Uh, we'll be looking at verse 20 uh, tonight, and it's a privilege and joy uh, to be with you uh, this evening as we get to open up God's Word uh, once again on this uh, beautiful uh, Sunday together as a church family. Uh, but again, tonight we'll be looking specifically at Galatians chapter 2, uh, verse 20. And if this is your first time here on Sunday night, or if you, were, um, if you weren't here with us last week, uh, we have started a new uh, Sunday night teaching series called our uh, Anchor Anchor Series, and essentially what we are doing over these next uh, this semester, if you will, uh, so next several weeks as a church staff, you'll get to hear from a number of different people. Uh, we are walking through different scriptures, different verses that are uh, anchor verses or life verses in a lot of ways to each and every one of us here, uh, but to us specifically as we're walking through these different verses, you'll get to hear from our staff and really uh, how the Lord has um, just shaped and molded us into who we are, and really looking at these, these key scriptures of what, uh, how God has spoken to us individually. And so last week we got to hear from, uh, from Mark and getting to hear from uh, Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 through 6, and tonight we're getting to dive into Galatians chapter 2, verse uh, 20, uh, which is my anchor verse, my life verse in many different ways. Um, and I'm excited just to spend these next few moments with you uh, together as we get to dive into this powerful, powerful uh, scripture uh, together. And so I want to read it, and then I want to ask God to uh, direct us as we spend these next few moments in his word. Hear these words from God's word. This is the Apostle Paul speaking to the church of Galatia. He says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but it is Christ who lives in me. In the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by faith and the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this night. God, I thank you for those words that we just sang together as a church family. Not but I, but through Christ in me. And Father, that's exactly the summary, the message behind Galatians 2.20. God, I pray over these next few moments, I pray that you would speak to us. I pray that you would open our hearts, open our eyes to see you here in this text. God, I pray that you would change us. I pray that you would empower us through the power of your Holy Spirit. As we leave this place tonight and as we go about our weeks, God, would we follow you wherever you call us to go. We love you, Lord. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I want to do something uh, like Pastor Mark did last week, and as we get to this text, I want to, in a similar way, uh, Pastor Mark did this with his verse, I want to, us to look at this last phrase of our verse here tonight as we kind of start this uh, message, this conversation around Galatians 2.20, and really emphasizing the last phrase in Galatians 2.20, because I think as you get to this last phrase, I think it helps you understand more of what Paul is saying to the church of Galatia in this particular moment, and it helps shed light on the power and the language and the words that Paul gives in this particular verse. And so this last phrase that I want you to kind of underline and to kind of key in here with me is the last phrase here saying, who loved and gave himself for me. This last phrase here in Galatians 2.20 who loved and gave himself for me. And 
Of course, this is emphasizing the gospel message. This is proclaiming what Jesus Christ has done for us, that Jesus Christ gave his life as a sacrificial lamb for the sins of the world because of God's love for you and for me. I I believe as we get to this verse, we must start there at the end to better understand what Paul is saying here in this text. And and I love the the last phrase here, who loved and gave himself for me, because as you dive into this word here, you see that Paul makes this extremely personal, doesn't he? And my Bible had the words me circled. Paul makes this extremely personal in his relationship with Jesus, that we understand as followers of Jesus, our faith is something that we own. It's for you. It's for me. It's something we own individually as followers of Jesus. It's personal. This is the relationship that we have with King Jesus. And I think it's helpful for us to remind ourselves that our faith in Christ is individual and personal for us. It's helpful when we approach scriptures like Galatians 2.20 to insert our names here into this particular text. To not only say that God sent his son Jesus for me, but to insert your name there. Who loved and gave himself for Ryan, who loved and gave himself for Rogers, for, who loved and gave himself for Brad. It, it's helpful to insert your name here into this text to emphasize and to remember the love of God that he has for you, that he gave his life for you. Paul is bringing out the gospel, the story of Jesus Christ, the truth and the power of the holy love of God to the Galatians here. And I don't know about you, but when I first encountered the the holy love of God in my own life, it shattered me to my core to recognize that there's a God in heaven who richly loves me. With all the people in this world, God loves me. Maybe you've been there in your own life. This scripture has meant so much to me in my life. The things I've walked through, the things I've been, to be able to recognize that God richly loves me. A little over five years ago, I got to sit up here on the stage with uh, our former pastor, Jay Wolf, and I got to share part of my story. Some of you are here for that. It's my first, one of my first Sundays on staff, and I got to dive into a lot of my testimony, and Jay and I had kind of a conversation just through the things that I struggled with and my upbringing as a, as, a, as a child, and I won't go into all the details of that, but just to, for those of you who don't know a lot of my story, uh, I didn't grow up in a Christian home. I grew up in uh, Fayetteville, North Carolina. My mom, my dad, my brother didn't grow up in a Jesus-following home. Uh, you know, essentially for me, I believe there was a God just based off of his creation, general revelation. I believe there was a God, but didn't have a personal relationship with Jesus. I didn't know the scriptures. If I went to church, it was maybe to be dropped off for a vacation Bible school here and there, maybe a Christmas service here and there. Knew a few Bible stories, but it didn't ever connect personally to them. Didn't understand the magnitude of what Jesus had done for me because I didn't understand the magnitude of my own sin. And it was my childhood was extremely broken, struggled in relationships, struggled in school, was a shy little kid. And it was at the age of 10 when I began to realize fully why there was so much brokenness in my home. And it was at the age of 10 that I came to realize that both my parents were heavily, heavily involved with drugs and alcohol. Uh, this This was my upbringing. This was my childhood. 
and being thrown around from house to house, moving because we couldn't pay the bills, moving from school to school. This was my upbringing. My parents loved me. There was food on the table, but I still struggled in my brokenness and in my sin as, as a human being. But it was in the year of 2006 that the situation in my home became to the point where my parents couldn't take care of us anymore. And so by the grace of God, I want you to catch that, by the grace of God, my brother and I, we moved away from my parents to Columbia, South Carolina and with my relatives there and we never went back to live with my parents. And I can confidently uh, say to you today that that's by the grace of God. God's provision in my life. And at the time I didn't see it, but as I grow in, in wisdom and in stature and as I as I moved to Columbia, my, my relatives in Columbia are, are devout Christians who started taking my brother and I to church for the very first time, week after week, getting involved in a student ministry, started hearing God's word preached week after week, started having ministers and small group leaders dive into uh, God's word with me, proclaiming God's truth to me. It was in my seventh grade year, I moved to Columbia when I was in the sixth grade, but it was my seventh grade year when I began to fully understand the love of God that he had for me. I understood and, and, and grasped the, what Jesus Christ had done for me by paying the penalty for my sins. And I, I understood and recognized that God had revealed himself to me, that God had bought me with the blood of his son Jesus, that, that he purchased me, that he loved me to the point of sending his son for me and in my brokenness. This was sacrificial love on display for me in my life, and it shattered me to my core because God revealed himself to me in this way. And it was nothing that I did to earn this. It was nothing I did to earn God's favor, but it was solely upon grace, upon grace, upon grace. It had nothing to do with what, with what Ryan Gray did, but it had everything to do with, with, with what Jesus accomplished. This is the gospel, and, and this love of God changed my life drastically. It gave me identity and purpose and a sense of belonging into the family of God. And, and I, love this, I love this verse here because in essence here, it reminds us of what it means to be a Christian. It, it, it reminds us of, of what it means to be a follower of Jesus. If we've been changed by the love of God, as believers in Christ, there are things that we've been called to do. There are things we've been called to, to lay down at the foot of the cross of what it means to be a follower of Jesus. And so when God revealed himself to me and gave me eyes to see him, it changed my life because now Christ lives in me. So this verse reminds us of this. And so as you get to Galatians 2.20, if you're kind of unfamiliar with this, there's a few things I want us to take notes of in just a second. But as you're unfamiliar with the context here, Paul wrote, of course, Paul wrote this letter to the church of Galatia in the early first century, and this one was, was written to the church of Galatia. Um, and Paul, uh, in essence, a lot of what he's writing to the Galatians here, he wrote this letter primarily to counter a false teaching that was creeping its way into the church. It was causing problems, major problems. And this false teaching that had crept into this church was this. People were saying that in order to be saved, you not only needed Jesus, but you needed to observe the law fully. You needed strict observance to the Old Testament law. This was creeping into the church. And in specific ways, that the message that was being preached was that people needed to be circumcised in order to be justified before a holy 
God. And so in chapter 2 of Galatians, Paul is, is countering this. He's, he's countering this, this, this teaching that's creeping its way into the church and reminding the Galatians of the one true gospel. That justification is by faith alone in Christ alone. And nothing else is to be added. And that's why he would get to what he says here in Galatians 2.20. To show and to remind the church of Galatia how a person is made right before God. And I've certainly experienced this in my own life. And this verse has radically just shaped me and challenged me and encouraged me day after day after day. And there's just really three things I want you to see here that I think Galatians 2.20 reminds us of. Number one is this, is that in Christ our old life has been crucified. Our old life has been crucified. Kind of that first phrase there of Galatians chapter, or chapter 2 verse 20, I have been crucified with Christ. As you look at this text, there's this paradox going on. There's this sense of part of me has died, but now there's a part of me that's living. See, I've died, I'm now living. You see this paradox in the language here in the scripture. And it's this idea that we, as followers of Jesus, we have been partakers in the crucifixion with Jesus. That Jesus has paid the penalty for our sins, but as followers of Jesus, Paul says here, we have been crucified with him. That we, it's this idea that we also have died, but now we live. Jesus has paid the penalty for me, and when I placed my faith in Christ, I was crucified with him. Meaning that I crucified the old me. The old me is gone. The old way of living is gone. The old lifestyle is gone. The chains have been broken. And I'm no longer enslaved to the sins of the world, but I'm now bound to Christ. I've been set free. The chain's been broken, and the person I once was is now gone because that person is dead. I have died with Christ. I have died to sin. And it's not that we don't sin anymore. But it says, Christians, we strive to live according to the spirits. And so when Paul says this here, I've been crucified with Christ, he's talking about our position before a holy God. That we've been justified because of our faith in Jesus. And so we've been crucified with Christ. You see, friends, you won't find the old Ryan Gray anymore wallowing in his brokenness. You'll find the new Ryan Gray according to the spirits. No longer chained and shackles to a sin, but one whose identity is rooted and founded upon Christ. Not in the things of this world, but in Christ Jesus. The old me is gone. This reminds me of the Apostle Paul on the road to Damascus, right? Paul was threatening the church, and God met him on the road to Damascus, blinded him. Paul saw the glory of God, and it changed him fully. It transformed his life because Paul saw the glory of Jesus. It delivered him. It freed him. It changed him. And isn't this what we have experienced for those of us who are in Christ Jesus? That we've been set free. We've seen the glory of Jesus. And the old life has been crucified. But secondly, not only this, not only this have we been crucified with Christ, but secondly, in Christ, our new life has been resurrected. Our new life has been resurrected. As you continue on, he says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but it is Christ who lives in me. If you'll turn over, if you can, to Romans chapter 6, I think this is a helpful passage here. Romans chapter 6, I'll read this. This isn't on the screen. 
But Romans chapter 6, you can write this down. Romans 6, verses 3 through 11. I think it helps shed light on what Paul is saying here to the church of Galatia. And in Romans chapter 6, verses 3 through 11, Paul says, Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. We know that our old self was crucified, which we said, with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing, so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For the one who has died has been set free from sin. Now, if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. We know that Christ, being raised from the dead, will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death he died, he died to sin once for all, but the life he lives, he lives to God. And catch this, verse 11. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive in Christ Jesus. Friends, as as followers of Jesus that we have shared in the crucifixion and the resurrection of Jesus, it's this mystery of God and the, the union that takes place. It's no longer my desires, but it's Christ. It's no longer my ambitions, but it's Christ. It's no longer my sin, but it's Jesus. And Christ now lives in us through the power of his Holy Spirit richly dwelling inside of you. Isn't that amazing? The Holy Spirit of God lives in us if we are followers of Jesus. We repented of our sin and trusted in Christ alone for our salvation. He lives in you. And so he enables you to live a life that pleases God. It's no longer I, but it's Christ. It's no longer I, but it's Christ. It's Christ. And so when Christ entered my life, my whole life changed. Because I was no longer living for Ryan Gray, but I was now living for King Jesus. This is why I love the the symbolism of baptism that we get to see often here at First Baptist. You've been buried with Christ in baptism, raised to walk a new life. You've been crucified with Christ and resurrected in this new life. It's a powerful symbol. But then thirdly here, in Christ we now live specifically by faith. We live by faith. Paul says, I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but it is Christ who lives in me. And the life that I now live in the body, I live in the flesh. I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. This is our calling. The life that we now live according to the Spirit, we live by faith in the Son of God. In the ups and downs of life, through the unknowns that lie before us, in every single moment, through the circumstances of each and every day, in your family, at your work, in your everyday relationships, I'm living by faith in the Son of God who loved and gave himself for me. I'm no longer going to pursue the life that I used to live because those chains have been broken. I'm now bound to Christ and live according to him. And as long as I have this body, I'm living by faith in the Son of God. I am now hidden with Christ. And it's no longer me, but it's all about Jesus. You can write this last verse down. Galatians chapter 6, verse 14. One of my other favorite verses in Galatians is this. Galatians 6, 
Chapter 6, verse 14. Paul says, but far be it for me to boast. But far be it for me to boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. Paul's recognizing that this, his love affair with the world and with his sin is now gone. It got destroyed when he was crucified with Christ and it's no longer he that lives, but it's Christ who lives in Paul and his plans and his ambitions and his desires for worldly things. They're no more. Because he's been crucified and raised to walk in the newness of life that is in Jesus. And this is all because of the gospel message seeping into his heart and hopefully for yours today that Jesus gave his life for me and for you and that Paul time and time again emphasizes this and this is the last thing in your outlines is that salvation is made possible because of Jesus' loving sacrifice salvation is made possible because of Jesus' loving sacrifice it's nothing that you and I did It's solely based upon the grace of God through faith alone in Christ alone. And and the question, as as you get to a text, text like this, the question to be answered isn't, has Christ Jesus died for me? Has Christ Jesus been crucified for me? We know the answer to this question, friends. A resounding yes. But no, the the question to be answered as you get to a text like this is, have you been crucified with him? Have you been crucified with him? Have you been raised with him? Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your grace. I thank you for the reminder we've had today as a whole just to be reminded of your, of your amazing grace. Father, may we never take that for granted. May we cling to the power of your grace. May we recognize that you do have a deep love for us. We didn't deserve it. To recognize, as Paul just emphasized to the Galatians, that you gave your son Jesus for us, that you loved us. And so, God, we thank you. God, we thank you. I thank you for the life as, as Christians, as followers of Jesus, God, that we have been crucified with Christ, and it is no longer we who live, but it is Christ who lives in us. And so, God, I pray that as we leave this place tonight and this week, I pray that we would walk in that way. I pray that we would walk according to the Spirit of God who richly dwells inside of us. And so, God, we praise you and we thank you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.